0: few things before we start. Um, a lot's happening in our life of our church. Exciting time. I hope I'm, I'm beseeching you to pray. Plus 5-6 starts this coming Friday. This is a, a new ministry. You've got to be very careful as a church to start a new ministry because it's more burden, it's more effort. But we wanted to serve the children in years 5 and 6 in our church. They're at a unique age of um, young maturity. We're hoping to set them up when they become, go to high school and start youth group that there's already good community and good relationships. Will you pray for Plus 5, 6? Pray for Bethany and Julian as they start our first activity this Friday, coming Friday at 92 Chapman Avenue. Great venue, different. Uh, hopefully, tell your family and friends and anyone you know in years five and six. It'll be, I think it'll be a great time. So Plus 5, 6 is very exciting. Uh, Oscar Murray is going to be here next Saturday. In fact, he's going to be having dinner with our elders team on Friday night, just after 5, 6 and while Switch is running. And, um, and then Saturday morning at Thornley Baptist, please come, I said before, if you are under 30, I want you there. I want you there if you're over 30. I want all of us there, I think. And part of the reason I want us to be there is because of what the, the vision God has laid upon our church to send teams out of our church to strategic kingdom opportunities. And I now want to tell you, I want to tell you about our latest one that we are seriously exploring. We have been in discussions with Eastwood Baptist Church, which is at Eastwood, most of you would know it, it's on the main road, they're just next to the station, huge facilities, a church that's been in significant decline over recent years. Um, And a church that we have been talking to about partnering with them. Now I can't tell you, a lot of the details can't give you really any details because the people at Eastwood need to hear what's happening from the leadership of Eastwood Baptist, not through the grapevine. But I can tell you that the discussions we've been having with Eastwood Baptist leadership have been, from those of us who have been involved in the discussions, just amazing. They are very open to um, significant the leadership to significant change and to significant partnership uh, with Pennant Hills Baptist Church. There will be a public meeting. When I say a public meeting, there will be a non-all-people-are-welcome, no-voting meeting after their service on this next Sunday, the first Sunday in May, where they're going to be discussing it as an open forum at church, what that might mean. And some of the more details we're talking about will come out at that meeting. Um, But will you pray for that? Because we have a desire. If the Lord would open the door at Eastwood Baptist, given its location, given the unique nature of Eastwood as a suburb um, and the unique opportunities that, Church has, and the unique way that God's shaped our church, I think we have a wonderful opportunity to start a new kingdom expression at Eastwood. Now, it's not going to be easy, and there's no pretending that it will be easy, but so far, all I can say is the discussions we've had with the current leadership have been extremely honest, extremely open, and extremely, they're wanting a completely new start, and for us, ideally, to partner with them in that. Which will change our church radically. It's going to be huge and scary for them if they go ahead. But it will change our church. For the better. So that we don't become comfortable and relatively full most Sundays. Um, it's exciting stuff. So um, that's why I want you to go and hear Oscar. Because Oscar is going to be firing us up to be outward focused. To take the challenges on of scary stuff for the kingdom. And uh, that's what we want to do. So get along next Saturday to hear Oscar. Be here next Sunday. Invite friends. It'll be a good investment of your time, I believe, from the bottom of my heart. Let me pray as we come to the Scriptures. Father God, help us open our hearts to your word. Open our church, Lord, to your spirit. And even do some of that now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. On Thursday night, uh, we had Shiori over for dinner. Shiori is the twin sister of a f- girl who married one of Adam's our son's friends in Japan. So she came over to Japan from Japan. She's got a year of study here in Sydney, and so we invited her to our house on Thursday night. As you do, we tidied up the house a bit—not massive, like She wasn't super important guest, as if you came. <laughs> But we did a bit of a tidy up and cooked a meal. We didn't pull out the Villaroy and Bosch. We just gave her the regular stuff. But we set the table and we, we, look, we had dessert. Okay, So we did put quite a bit of effort in for sure. And then we had the meal together and then we watched a movie. Afterwards, the house worked beautifully. Everything worked well. The kitchen worked well. The TV space worked well. The dining area was good. The house worked well. And so Shuri, by coming to our house, got a little bit of a taste of McIndoe home life and how we want to live. Now, I have to tell you that we, did, we didn't have any arguments that night. I was not grumpy. So she got somewhat of an ideal, and we did tidy the house up a bit. So she got something, and we had dessert. We never have dessert. <laughs> uh, she got a somewhat idealised picture of what McIndoe family life is like in the McIndoe house but still it was a true expression of who we are and what life is like in our house although it was perhaps somewhat idealised. She saw how we want to live, how we want to be as a family and we wanted to share that with her so that when she visited us and as she's new in Australia we wanted her to have a sense of belonging and care. Today's passage the last series in our talks from Acts chapter 1 and 2 a new home. You see, there's been, as Luke writes in Acts, a new work of God's Spirit. There's a new identity for God's people as they put their faith in the Messiah, Jesus, who died and who was raised for their life and for the forgiveness of sins. And so we see in these chapters the birth, the start of what we call the church, the New Testament church, the new home for the people of God, and a new sense of belonging and identity. It's amazing, the Apostle Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon to explain the coming of the Spirit. And this gathering of 120 people who follow Jesus, Paul preaches, 3,000 people respond. They're cut to the heart. They repent, they put their faith in Jesus, they express that in baptism and then they join this new community. 3,000 people, it's a pastor's uh, wildest dreams met. One sermon and the church grows. Which really when you think about it is a recipe for disaster. 3,000 new people with 3,000 lots of trouble and problems and issues and questions. 3,000 people needing to be discipled and taught This new home must be like a circus tent with all these people. Well, Luke tells us actually it's not a circus tent. This is a powerful work of God's Spirit. And what we see with those 3,000 people, as Luke goes on to describe what they do, is what life is like in this new home, this family of God who put their faith in Jesus as Lord. And I think what Luke's telling us, he writes perhaps somewhat idealistic, he doesn't tell us about the mess, he tells us about the good stuff, a bit like our dinner with Shuri. But I think Luke's telling us this is what it should be like in the new home for the family of God, for people who belong. This is home life as we should expect it. And so for our church home, the challenge is I think some of this, most of this, all of this should be normative. It should be our expectation that our home looks a bit like this home in Luke chapter 2. Now, if you go to Shanghai and find people meeting on the 19th floor of a high-rise, there's a good chance it's not the local golf club. If you go to Burke, you probably won't find a surf club at Burke. See, what goes on in the club tells us a little bit what the club's all about. So people aren't surfing in Bourke. You might find a mahjong club on the 19th floor in Shanghai. You might find a country music club in Bourke. So I want us to start by questioning what goes on in this new home, this this new church of 3,000 people? What is what what's the glue that binds them together? What what's their principal stuff about? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The Holy Spirit came upon these people with power. They'd been forgiven, they'd been filled, they'd been given a fresh start they do not sit back in pious contemplation they actively pursue further growth growth you see they are devoted to the apostles teaching these are the 12 take away one add one it's another story these are the 12 whom jesus chose empowered in a unique way by the spirit of god to teach the truths of Jesus that formed the cornerstone of that faith, of the faith, that New Testament church. The teachings that form the cornerstone that we have recorded in our New Testament as they explain the Old Testament and reveal Jesus and his work. See, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be devoted to the word of God, to the revelation of God. And as a church, that's what we say we're all about. Church value number one, two. One. How do I say two there? This is our first church value. We believe the Bible. That we believe the Bible is God's authoritative word. What have I done wrong? Ah, oh, thank you, Aaron. He's too clever. Church value. This, is our first, this is important. This is our first church value here at Penno. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's authoritative word with the power to change us through the work of the Spirit to be more like Jesus. And because of this... We say we're going to read it and we're going to study it and we're going to proclaim it and we're going to endeavour to live it out because we are people of the word, devoted to the apostles' teaching. Hopefully people with a hunger to know God, and because we've got a hunger to know God, we want to know his word. We want to know what he's said, what he's like. But we do not, shouldn't do that in isolation. Yes, you, there's a, certainly a place for individual study and reading of the scriptures. But you see, these early believers... Do it in community. They meet together. They eyeball each other and they discuss it a little bit like what you perhaps uncomfortably did five, ten minutes ago. They encourage one another. And because they do it in community, they have some sense of each other's struggles and needs and hopes and aspirations. See, they're not just devoted to the teaching. They're also devoted... To fellowship. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they enjoyed a bit of fellowship. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then after the teaching bit, they went out and shared a little bit of fellowship over a small meat pie or spring roll or scone. It says they were devoted to the fellowship. Whoops. Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another. In church, Paul's saying, in love, honour one another above yourself. Devotion. Now, I know as you know, that families can be quite messy. But family is family and we all know what family should be like. We know the ideal in family is mutual devotion to one another because we're family. A normal, healthy person, particularly a parent, will say, I'm devoted to my family. Now that is true and that's also hard at times, isn't it, to be devoted to your family? But that, you know that's what you should be doing, so we wrestle. The local expression of the body of Christ, what we call local church, is to be a family. And we should therefore be devoted to one another in love. And I know that can be really hard, but that's the way it should be. That's the ideal. And we shouldn't accept anything less. Which fundamentally means, this is pretty basic stuff, fundamentally means that we are in relationship with others. Relationships marked by grace and love and mercy and truth. Relationship, here's something, just basics. Relationships expressed in eye contact and smiles. Relationships expressed in service and conversation and in particular in listening. Where to be devoted to one another, where to be in relationship, which is a challenge, isn't it? And our devotion to these two things is to exp- spill over and express itself in two activities. Primarily, they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's a couple of activities of these people who were devoted to the word and one another, to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. Now, the breaking of bread, often we just interpret that as having communion, but that's, I really think, we're, we're reading church practice back into our scriptures, because that phrase breaking of bread just means eating together in that culture. We break bread, we eat together. Which doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? Possibly at times, possibly very often, as they ate together, they consciously remembered Jesus' death and resurrection. But here Luke's just telling us they broke bread together. And I think this exposes a fundamental feature that we often miss, particularly in Western church life. And those of you which is many from non-Western backgrounds, I have been blessed by your other perspective. What is church? Well, when you go to church, you put your bum on a seat and then you come the performance. A show. And we go and we say, well, I've done church. I've been to church because I put my backside on a seat and I watch the show. Now, the show may be a liturgy. There may be lots of smells and bells and fancy costumes and processions. And it may be the same week after week. The show may be very charismatic where everybody gets up and it all flows around and you're never quite sure what's going to happen and it's noisy and a bit unpredictable. But it's still a show The show may be fantastic music and we get caught up in the music and someone leads the music. The show may even be what we have to do more often here at Penno where you have somebody teaching and preaching the word. The show may be good shows, but it's still a show and you've still got your bum on a seat. And then you go home and say, I've been to church. It's hard to reconcile that with this, isn't it? When, when I grew up, as a family, we used to put our bums on a seat and watch TV together, which is hardly great family life. People say, oh, you watch too much TV. All that family ever does is watch TV because we all sit there with our bums on the seat watching a show on the TV. You know what happens today? People don't even watch TVs. Everyone goes around say, and looks at their own device. I grew up in the old days where we'd put our bums on a seat as a family. So much harder. Is either of those a good expression of family? Not for me. That's not the family I want to be part of. You know what's good for family? You know they've done studies on this stuff. You know what they're almost the number one factor in healthy families is? Healthy families eat together. Woohoo! Healthy families, you want a healthy family? Make this one practice in your life. Sit round a table and eat together. It builds community. It builds family cohesion. You end up talking instead of looking at a device. Here's my parenting tip. I have never given parenting tips because I found parenting so hard and I don't know if I did a great job, but I've got good kids. So here's my parenting tip. Acts chapter 2, 42. Everything you need to know about parenting is in that verse. Mum and dad, number one, love one another. If you're not loving one another and the kids don't know that you care for one another and that you're devoted to one another, good luck to you with your parenting. Parenting. And good luck when you sit around the dining table hating one another. Number two, so if you're not loving one another, I don't care what school your kids go to. I don't care if they do soccer or piano or violin. I don't care what marks they get at school. I don't care if you read Richard Feldman's 55 Million Great Ways to Be a Fantastic Parent. I don't care. Love one another, mum and dad. Start there. That's basic. Number two, eat together. That's the fellowship part of family life. Number two, eat together. Sit around the dining table and eat together. Boy, this is tricky. This is John's parenting session. But it's, I reckon it's true. Number three and number four, we'll put them together. Read with your kids particularly the Bible or Bible stories, and pray together as a family. That's it. Everything else you can... It's helpful. I know you really need a holiday in New York. I understand that. That's going to do everything for your family life, yeah? Love one another, eat together, read and pray. What's true for your family is true for the church. That's all you need. With faith in Jesus. All there in Acts chapter 2, my parenting manual. And you know, I don't care if you just eat Dr. Odeca every single night. You will be healthier, and I believe this both physically and spiritually and mentally, you will be healthier eating Dr. and pizzas every night around your table as a family than will you will be if you all go and eat lentils in your bedroom. <laughs> and I, I actually, doctors will come to me, don't say that, John, that's terrible, all those saturated fats, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but at least you'll be family-lifing and you'll be healthy. And that brain will impact that body. This is my conviction, they can tell me I'm got it wrong later (laughs) anyway church family should be in fellowship and we should be devoted to one another and we should be eating together see when we invited Shuri to our house we didn't say come around and pat the dog we didn't say why don't you come around and we'll play cards we didn't say why don't you come we said come around and we'll have a meal with us because that's the way you build community and belonging And I wonder if we've lost something in our church practices. We're all busy. I know Sydney's a big city. I know you're all busy. But we just struggle to find time to eat together because it takes so much effort. But I wonder if we've lost something in church life. And so we have Hospitality Sunday. Big plug for Alexandra. But Hospitality Sunday matters. It's not just another little thing because you get to eat together with strange people who are part of your family builds community. Church lunches are fantastic. We do them once every two months now in hospitality because it's hard. But I hope you're eating them when you meet as a small group. And Sunday dinners, every second, once a month, we do dinner on a Sunday night. It's important stuff. And if you go out casually afterwards, invite others. Because when we eat together, we say to one another, I trust you. When someone provides you with food and you eat it, you say, I trust you and you're so the other person providing food saying I love you because I've put effort into this it's not carnal and it's not worldly to value eating together in church life it's christian heaven is described often as a feast so it's not carnal to eat well as we often do at pano Eat and pray. See, it's totally spiritual. Second church value. I didn't do a slide for this one. I forgot to. Our second church value, after number one, is we believe that as God's children, we are totally dependent on Him. Because of this, we value persistent prayer. Penno, we say we value persistent prayer. That number two, we want to be people of the word and people of prayer. Now, in this passage, it's not—it's corporate prayer. It's prayer together. It's not prayer on your own. Now, it is important to pray on your own. I've struggled with this personally. Jesus warns in the spiritual, Spirit Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't pray on the street corners. Don't use lots of fancy words when you pray so that others will see you and say, man, there's a righteous man or woman. He said, rather, go into your closet and pray where only God sees you with, if necessary, a few words. And it's a real danger that I've often felt because I'm a, I'm a wordy person. I like words and I can often pray, I can pray a pretty good prayer. and look pretty pious when perhaps my prayer life in private is barren. That's terrible. That's hypocr- hypocrisy. But having said that, Praying together, when it's sincere, when it is a natural expression of faith, is such a powerful thing. And we have lots of opportunities for that. Every Thursday night, there's a group here, at least during term time, that meets to pray. Sometimes we have three people. Sometimes we have 15 people. But it's good. I would encourage you to get along if you can. I hope you pray if you're in a small group. I hope you pray in your small group together. I hope your ministries, if you're involved in a ministry, that you pray together. You know what I really love though? I love it when we gather on a Sunday, and particularly after the service, sometimes before. I love it when I see people praying together because I know that that's sincere. I know that they're talking and they want to bring something to God and they're saying, well, this is an issue. Let's pray about it. It's a beautiful thing. But I want to encourage. And there's lots of opportunity for that. Let's say after the service you start talking about politics because we've got an election coming up. And you're talking to someone who has perhaps a different political view and you're starting to get a bit wounded or the other person's starting to get a bit wounded and where do we go with this conversation because we're on the opposite ends of the political divide? Guess what you can do? You can have that conversation, listen and then pray. Because God knows what's best. And we want a good outcome for our girls upstairs. Shh. Shh. You can pray about the politics, even though you're different, because you're trusting the one God. Let's say afterwards you start talking about the horrible bombings in Sri Lanka. You know what you can do? You can talk about it, you can feel the weight. Some of you are from Sri Lanka and then you can pray. For the people, for justice, for the future. See, people walk past these windows all the time. We see them as we meet. They're thinking, what goes on in there? Or they're wondering when we're empty, what goes on in that place? I hope it's people who are devoted to the word, people who are devoted to one another, even devoted to eating together. A lot of food in this place and devoted to prayer because that's what Luke describes these early Christians doing in an ideal way. What has gotten into them? You think, what were they thinking? There's been this remarkable spiritual change. Everyone, we're told, was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. Literally, fear came upon every soul. Since sense God is here and God is at work amongst us and therefore we're living with this holy expectation. Now it was a unique time. That phrase, signs and wonders, is usually performed for moments of great redemptive change in God's plans and purposes such as the Exodus, such as this stage at the birth of the church. And these signs and wonders were done through the Apostles. But our God doesn't change and we should live with the same holy expectation. People of awe and wonder who know that God is at work amongst us. And that changes our entire approach to life and work. Life and, life and church, sorry. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's a bit scary, don't you think? I was saying to chatting with Sophia over our little discussion time, when I was in Mongolia, this wasn't weird for the Christians I met. This was actually how they looked, seemed to live. Different culture, I get that. What about for us in our Western culture where we're all this is mine and that's yours? This should be normal. And there's a very simple reason why it should be normal because a church is supposed to be a family and families hold everything in common and care for one another's needs. See, when you belong to a family, property rights are not an issue. You don't say, don't sit on that couch, I bought that couch, you kids go and buy your own couch. You don't say, Freddie, you need shoes. Your school shoes are worn out. I think we should have a prayer time so that you might find the funds to go and buy yourself some new shoes. And if we do buy Freddie some shoes, some new school shoes, we don't sit there patting ourselves on the back at how generous we were because we bought Freddie some shoes. Maybe Freddie's in debt to us. We're family. We care, we belong, we're united. There was an old song, Big's going to get us to sing an old song at the end of the service, an uh, old Christian song, but there's an, another old Christian song from about the same time. It said, we are heirs of the Father. We are joint heirs with the Son. We are children of the kingdom, we are family. We are one. Same father, same family. And therefore, we enjoy being together. What goes on in there? Well, what goes on in there is what goes on in there, is what's supposed to go on in there. Here they are. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. You see, when the Word of God through the Spirit of God takes hold of hearts, there is new creation. There is a new home. There is a place to belong and that should be normal for church life. These Christians excelled not in running programs or in fantastic worship or liturgy. Well, their worship was fantastic but not because they put so much effort in. They didn't excel in bands and music. They excelled in relationship with God and with one another. And what an impact it had. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People who are cut to the heart when they hear the message of the gospel, who repent and put their faith in Jesus and are then baptised and join this new community, the church, and the church grows even Daily. You know, we worry about evangelism, we train about evangelism, that's a good thing, it's important that we share Jesus and we're told to do that. But throughout church history, the most powerful form of evangelism is healthy churches. And people saying, come and be impacted by my healthy church family. Come and join us, let us serve you. See the life. People say, I'll have some of that. They've got something I don't have or know. Why? That is the most powerful form of evangelism. If you're not a great evangelist, guess what? Help this church community be healthy. Play your part. Serve and love and care and share and invite others. And the power... Well, actually, the power is not ourselves. The power is not that we're such great people or that Christians are such great people. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. What we need to be is a gospel-filled, spirit-filled church, which, in other words, means we're not a club. No one's going to be changed by joining this family. No one's going to be changed by going to hospitality Sunday. Lives are changed by the gospel, by the message of Jesus and accepting him as Lord and submitting to his rule and his purposes and thereby being filled with his spirit and thereby comes power to change. And thereby comes church growth and church health. So... What of Penobaps? What about this house? This kingdom expression? Well, it's not ideal, is it? We're not a perfect home. There's perhaps some tidying up to be done. But there is no perfect church. Even that early church, you read through the New Testament, you see what happened. Oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. But the ideal doesn't change just because there's room for growth. So, what should we do here at Penner? I know, how about we have more programs? Like, we'll start Five, Six Club, but what about years four and five, or years zero? On? Or how about we start. What? The truth is, we need better music. More hymns, Hannah. Actually, I think if we just got rid of those windows and turned this all painted all this black and just had big lights shining on the center like this, that'd give a really forward focus to the whole show. That's what lots of churches do, and that'd be that'd be better, yeah? It's too much light in this building. What if we have more meetings? Then we're better, better plans, we're better organized. What if we have more systems? We put a lot of effort in Peno in the last few years into better systems so we're more purposeful in what we do and proactive in following people up and it has made a difference. If we just had better systems, then what about better lunches? Actually, if you all gave a bit more money, then we would be able to do more and we'd be a better church. Acts chapter 2, a new home. What we need is none of those things, what we need, we need is more of God's spirit, we need more gospel, we need more of God's word and therefore through that we need more love and closer relationships that are genuine. And so that people when they join us and encounter us have a see what a great deep sense of belonging we have and care and hope and joy, what we need is more Jesus. So don't get tired of it. Don't get tired that they keep rabbiting on about the Bible, the Word of God. Say hallelujah. I'm hearing God's Word again, the teaching of the apostles. I want to yearn for more of it. I want to love hearing what God has to say and then I want to encourage others and encourage myself to submit to it. More of it. And don't get tired of it. That is each other. All those clowns that are sitting around you. Don't get tired of them. Real life, messy Christians, crazy and mixed up just like you. Hallelujah. That's who I do church with. And you know what? We really need grace and mercy and steadfast faithfulness. Because in that comes joy with all these crazy people. And don't get tired of it. Even though it takes a lot of effort, don't get tired of eating together. Because when you eat together, you share life and you share trust and you love. And don't get tired of remembering Jesus even when you do. And don't get tired of it. Don't get tired of praying together. To seek God as Christians, as those who love God and need God and depend upon God must and should do. Don't get tired of talking to God together because we're in relationship with God. And don't get tired of it. Don't get tired of this house, this clumsy house that you're perhaps a part of, or I hope you're a part of, called Penobaps. Yes, I know we're clumsy, I know we're fallible. I know the pastor's emotional and says stupid things sometimes. and says, I get all that. But this is our family. This is our house. We're going to work to make this house all it can be for joy and for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We're we going to protect this house. We're we going to pray for this house. And if God should so bless, we're going to work so that this house is a blessing to the community of God throughout the world. Eastwood, Central Asia, Mongolia, the universities and throughout the world. It really is important that we have a deep sense of belonging and knowing our place in the family of God and that we pursue the ideal even amongst the clumsiness. For Jesus' glory. Amen.